I didn't get a mentor out of it, obviously. But the thing is, is I met a ton of like-minded writers and I met my very first critique partner through Pitch Wars 2016. Welcome to Queries, Qualms, and Quirks, the weekly podcast that asks published authors to share their successful query letter and discuss their journey from first spark to day of publication. I am your host, Sarah Nicholas. I hope you're enjoying the podcast and the stories authors are sharing with you. If you are, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser or share this episode on social media. And if you're interested in supporting the show, go to patreon.com slash pubtalklive. Today, we're going to be talking to science fiction author Angela A.J. Super. Angela, or A.J., is a 2021 debut author. Her space opera, Erebus Dawning, and its sequel, A Star Reborn, have recently released from Athon Books. She lives in Kansas with her husband and fuzz-brained kitties. Welcome to the show, Angela. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm all right. I'm in a closet, so it's a little bit different today. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we're going to start by going all the way back to the beginning. When did you first start getting interested in writing, and how long did it take from there before you started getting serious about pursuing publication? I started writing when I was really, really young. I would make these illustrated ABC books and staple them together and then give them to my family. So A was for apple, B was for boat, you know, C was for cat, and Yeah, so I basically self-published myself when I was like 10. (laughs) I still have a couple of the little books too. One of my favorite memories is my second grade teacher gave us this uh, book of about alligator and a chicken, and it didn't have any words in it. It was just a picture book. And we had to write the words that were going to go in the book. And she used her lovely handwriting and wrote what I wrote into the margins. And I I still have that book too somewhere. I mean, as you can tell, my writing has been a part of my life for a really long time. I read a lot when I was a kid as well, mostly uh, science fiction when I was a teenager, like Ursula Le Guin, Octavia Butler, and McCaffrey, Mercedes Lackey. It was my grandma's stash of books that I read. She was a really big science fiction and fantasy fan. I went on to college to get a degree in creative writing and theater. I have two bachelors. It was then that I tried my hand at Star Wars fanfic. (laughs) I have yet to meet a sci-fi writer who hasn't dabbled in Star Wars fanfic or some other science fiction fanfiction. I don't think anybody could have been quite as bad as what I was. Star Wars fan fiction is like the fandom to write in when you're a sci-fi writer. Really, it would be a dream to actually write the IP for Star Wars, but that goes to people who sell more books than me, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I guess around 2014, when I moved to Kansas, I um, started dealing with some serious mental health stuff. And 
I realized then that I needed to lean into what I loved. And that's that's always been writing. So I started really, really seriously writing to pursue publication around 2014. Can you tell me more about the moment that you realized that you wanted to be a published author? Honestly, it was my first Pitch Wars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I had never heard of it, but in 2016, I had finished my first book and it seriously wasn't great. Like, it was terrible. I have since rewritten it just as an exercise to learn more, but I kind of wanted to see what this contest was about, so I submitted. It was simultaneously the worst thing and the best thing that I have ever done. I got subtweeted a lot that year. Oh, no. Um, I know, right? That's why we don't allow that anymore. (laughs) So it was really heartbreaking to find out that people really didn't like my book, even though I loved it so much. And that's fine. I mean, it was way too short and I used way too many conjunctions and I might as well have been like breathing and saying um all the time in my my book. It's the equivalent of saying um, I guess, is using tons of conjunctions for me. I didn't get a mentor out of it, obviously. But the thing is, is I met a ton of like-minded writers. And I met my very first critique partner through Pitch Wars 2016. And I started a group of writers. Well, I didn't start it. A friend started it. (laughs) (laughs) And we shared work and just jived and critiqued each other. And I still keep in touch with a lot of them and uh, cherish those friendships and critique relationships that I made in that period. So that kind of leads into the next question. How did you, once you decided you wanted to be an author, how did you go about learning more about the publishing industry, like how it works, how to query, all those different things? Google is your friend. (laughs) I spent a lot of time after Pitch Wars in 2016 figuring out how publishing fiction works. I had previously worked for a nonfiction publisher, so I wasn't completely in the dark about slush piles and querying and things like that. But fiction is a completely different beast than nonfiction. So I spent a lot of time reading agent blogs and wish lists and being on Query Tracker and Publishers Marketplace. I Googled everything from standard manuscript format to what a query package is and more or less just searched my brains out for things that I needed to know. I didn't have anyone really experienced in the query process or in publishing at that time. I just had my critique group and critique partner and they were kind of in the same place I was knowledge-wise. So we ended up sharing a lot of what we learned via the internet and via Twitter and via book Twitter and via blogs and interviews and podcasts and all of this stuff. And we just kind of grew together. 
So then what happened? Can you break down for us your journey from then to sending your first book contract? Well, I wrote a couple of other books that I queried widely. They got a little bit of attention, but nothing that garnered me an agent or a publishing contract. And I'm actually really glad because I was still learning then, as I am now and always. But there are things about my old shelved manuscripts that I would like to change as I have grown as a writer and a person. It wasn't until my third book, Erebus Dawning, that I got a publishing contract. Now, this is the fun part. My CPs call me a unicorn because I have a very strange journey with Athon books. It's a little wild and pretty different. I submitted my book to them on the recommendation of a friend and mentor, and he thinks highly of the gentlemen who run the pub, so I thought, why not? I'd more or less end up shelving it if I didn't. It was my kind of last query that I sent. After a couple weeks, I got a request for a full. Then a couple months later, everything's normal up until this point, like your normal submission process. But a couple months later, they sent me a rejection. And it was one of the nicest, most informative rejections I have ever received. The publisher slash editor who read my book loved it, but it was still super green and needed a lot of work. And they weren't sure if they wanted to take the risk. With that encouragement, he also gave me a fairly in-depth critique on the first act. It was one that I couldn't ignore, even if it hadn't gotten published. I was going to make those changes just as a learning experience. Mm. It was a really big moment, learning moment for me. And what I did next, I don't suggest doing. Because uh, most publishers and agents get hate mail, and it kind of scared my publisher when I responded. Mm -hmm. I decided to send a thank you. Just a kind, thanks for your time and effort. I really appreciate the feedback, and I'm going to see what I can do to make my story better with it. I'm going to grow. Kind of when they opened it, I guess, uh, were afraid that I was going to say something completely different. (laughs) As many agents and publishers get a completely different vibe. But it wasn't a long note. And it started a conversation between me and the publisher slash editor. Some stuff happened. And eventually, I got a yes for the book that they rejected. Mm. Of course, I had to cut 10,000 words and rewrite not only the first act, but the ending. But they gave me a yes, all because of a silly risk I took sending a thank you note. Now, my grandpa taught me that the best so-called weapon is kindness. And this was the first time that me just being a human being, me being kind and appreciative, It's the first time I've had such a successful ending, but I learned two things from it. Taking measured risks is totally worth it. And always, always, always be kind when you're doing it. Yeah. 
Okay, so this show is called Queries, Qualms, and Quirks, and it is time for that first cue. Can you read your successful query letter for us? Well, I'll warn you that I made lots of mistakes in this, so <laughs> it may be a successful query, but I there are things that I would do differently. Mm-hmm. It goes, Dear Athon Books Acquisition Team, Problem number one, research who you're sending it to. Complete at 118,000 words, Arabistaning is a female-driven adult space opera that has the thematic elements of sci-fi's killjoys and the inspiration of modern gods from Neil Gaiman's American Gods. It is the first in a planned three-part series. Nix Marcus, pirate and spy aboard the spaceship Thanatos, has come up empty-handed in her search for the planet-killing weapon, the Star of Erebus, named after one of the seven gods. When Malcolm, first officer of her father's ship, mutinies, Nix must flee aboard the Thanatos to save the skeleton crew or be floated out an airlock. As she runs... Nyx discovers the Star of Erebus isn't a simple weapon, but an ancient AI, a technological god, who claims to be her sister. Erebus spreads her consciousness through the Thanatos and into any technology available. Now, everyone from the Queen of the Protectorate to Malcolm wants to lay claim to Erebus as a potential weapon, and Nyx's only choice is to protect her like crew and family. But Erebus has awoken AI code in Nyx's blood. Discovering that she is one of the AI gods, like Erebus, Nyx struggles to accept her new identity and powers. Her tech-infected blood allows her to manipulate life energy, leaving those she touched dead or immortal. With a newly immortal Malcolm bent on destroying the Thanatos and the queen after Erebus as a means to subjugate the people, Nyx must learn to control her power without sacrificing her own humanity or give her enemies a new way to oppress the known universe and lose the family she holds dear. I earned a bachelor's degree in creative writing and was awarded a scholastic silver key for nonfiction. I worked for a small nonfiction publisher and currently run the hashtag FryFirst themed writing hashtag and hashtag Pit pitch practice hashtag on Twitter. I attended Futurescapes 2018 and was a 2018 RevPit runner-up and a 2018 Sun vs. Snow finalist. Thank you for your time and consideration. Sincerely, Angela Super. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. So how has your experience been since signing your contract, especially were there any surprises along the way? You know, my experience has actually been really good. There have been some surprises, but Athon Books, while growing quickly, is still a indie pub. So I had to mitigate my expectations early on. They're not a big five. They can't offer a lot of the things that most writers dream of. And once I kind of wrangled my expectations, the surprises were pretty few. I can seriously say, though, that the biggest surprise is how long it takes to put out a good book. There is so much waiting in this business, and waiting for me is one of the hardest things to do. Yeah, definitely. All right, it is time for the quick round. I call it author DNA. It really has nothing to do with DNA. It's just classifications that we put writers in. First question, are you a pantser or a plotter? I am chaos incarnate. I am a pantser. (laughs) (laughs) Do you tend to be an overwriter or an underwriter? 
I am unfortunately an underwriter. I tend to grow my books. And if I'm given too long with my books, my growth becomes a little bit excessive, 118,000 <laughs> words. <laughs> Do you tend to write better in the morning or at night? In the morning, for sure. I, for whatever reason, can concentrate better in the morning. And maybe it's because I have tons of coffee on board. Whenever you start writing a new story, do you typically start with character or plot or concept or something else? I always ask myself a question about what I want to write first, and then I develop my characters and plot to follow. So it would be concept first. Do you prefer coffee or tea? Ooh, coffee. <laughs> Although I do love myself some Earl Grey on a really cold, rainy day. When you're writing, do you prefer silence or some kind of sound? sound. Um, I have so many book playlists. I need the music. It, it helps to inspire me when I get a little stuck. When you're writing your first draft, are you more of a get it down kind of person or a get it right kind of person? Oh, definitely get it right. I have a really bad habit of editing as I go. It makes for a really tough writing schedule and it extends my writing time. But that way I get to draft and make sure my story is going in the direction I want it to. What tools or software do you use to draft? I am so stuck with Word. (laughs) (laughs) I know I should switch to something a little bit easier to organize on, but because I'm a pantser and I dig just writing my story down as it comes... I really don't need much more than a word processing program. So Word works for me really well. I just switched back to Google Docs from Scrivener. Mainly, it was an access issue. Like, I want to be able to work on it on multiple devices. And I'm on Android, so I, you know, I don't have an Apple. So Scrivener lets you sync on devices if you have Apple, but not But not if you have a PC. Yeah. Scrivener is great if you have a Mac, but because of the accessibility issues, uh, having it on PC makes it a little bit harder to use. Yeah. And the other thing is, is they keep saying they're going to upgrade their PC version so that it works like the Mac version, but they've been saying that for years. Yeah, they did just do an update, but it doesn't have everything still. So oh. that's when I was like, okay, I'm, I think I'm going back to Google Docs. <laughs> uh, at least they're working on it. All right. Do you prefer drafting or revising more? <laughs> when I'm drafting, I prefer revising. When I'm revising, <laughs> I prefer drafting. I'm very confused. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Do you write in sequential order or do you hop around? I do write sequentially. I tried to write a non-sequential book once and it turned out badly, but I found that always asking and then helps me get to the next point in the book that I need to get to to make it exciting or or fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Final quick round question. Are you an extrovert or an introvert? Honestly, I am an introvert, but I still in enjoy doing things like podcasts and panels and talking with fellow book lovers and authors. There's a little bit of an extrovert in me as well, I guess. So now we're going to talk about the second cue. Uh, What were some of the qualms or worries that you had on your journey and were they realized or did you overcome them or how did they shake out? Well, this is actually one of the questions that I was 
really having a hard time answering when you sent me the questions early. And it's because I don't often talk about the specifics of my mental health and the resultant disability. In fact, it's been a really, really hard road to quiet some of my worries regarding my mental health disability. I am bipolar depressive, borderline personality, and have social and generalized anxiety disorders. My diagnosis makes doing things like this really hard. It also makes writing really hard sometimes too. Overcoming those diagnoses is a daily thing. I live with the worry that my mental health is going to overturn any success that I've been lucky enough to gain. And it's really not a matter of overcoming so much as it's a matter of learning how to cope with the things that I can't change about myself. Writing has been an outlet as well as a worry through learning to cope. But overall, it's just really difficult to remember that I am a normal person, that I can do things that I want to do despite having these mental health diagnoses. So now we're going to talk about that third cue. Do you have any writing quirks? Is there anything about your writing process that you think is kind of different or interesting or unique? I did say I was chaos incarnate, right? (laughs) (laughs) I am such a pure pantser that planning a trilogy really is very difficult. It really didn't happen. I wanted to write a trilogy for Arabistaning and the Seven Star Saga, but all I had was this vague idea that the first book would be a villain origin story, and then the second book would be a villain story, and that the third would be a redemption story. My quirk is that I really don't plan what I want to write. The most I do plan is like a small brainstorming session with the hubster the night before I write, just so I know my next and then moment. What comes after is just a pure surprise for me. Writing this third book in the series, I did have to plan a little bit to uh, gather threads that I needed to close up the third book, but following a prescribed path for that has been super duper hard. Like I said, chaos incarnate. (laughs) (laughs) When you were in the lowest parts of your writing journey, what kept you going and why did you stick to it? Honestly, one of my lowest points was recently. My health hasn't been great and my mental health took a really big hit because of it, which means everything that I wrote during that time was poop. (laughs) And when it rains, it poops. (laughs) The only thing that really kept me going and struggling forward was uh, the support I got from my husband and my critique partners and my friends and my family, but mostly my husband. I originally wrote Erebus Dawning as a book for him, and I want to continue telling Nix's story so that he gets to know the ending. So just pushing through for him, was a big thing for me. Nice. What were some of the biggest mistakes that you made along the way that you want to share with listeners so maybe they don't make the same ones? (laughs) Oh, this one is actually a recent mistake. We all make query mistakes. 
We all make mistakes on our manuscripts. But once you get to the published point and you're doing interviews, it becomes very hard, especially when you don't know the questions ahead of time, not to open my mouth without thinking. And I'm absolutely ashamed by the last interview that I did because I said something that was not great. And hopefully the interviewer understood that my internal biases came out in a really bad way and that I'm trying to make myself better and more aware and sensitive. It was a really unfortunate thing that I said. And all I could do was apologize to the interviewer and admit that I was wrong and hopefully be more aware in the future that my lens is that of a privileged white woman, regardless of my disability and queerness. Mm. Can you share with listeners one of the most important lessons that you learned on your journey to publication? Honestly, the most important thing is to be persistent, to keep going even though you think that something isn't working is one of the ways you show agents and publishers that you are willing to do the work. On top of that, I think that taking risks, taking measured risks, and being kind in all things is really important as well. And most of all, be patient because the waiting is terrible. (laughs) The publishing industry moves at a snail's pace. And so you have to have patience, which I generally don't have. (laughs) (laughs) I call this the acknowledgements portion of the podcast. This is not a business that most of us succeed in completely on our own. Who are some of the people or organizations who helped you along the way and how? I would like to thank my critique partners, Stephanie, Sarah, and Glenn. They are amazing. And I know they haven't had time lately and whatnot, and they'll make excuses for being bad CPs, but I value their opinions above most everybody else's. My supportive friends, Jess, Kay, and Cass, they are always there cheerleading me, and it's wonderful regardless of what I've done right or wrong. They're always there to have my back. My family, of course, and my husband. And I'd also like to say a thanks to Mike Mamey because he is one of the people that has really supported me. And our relationship was kind of me going, hey, dude, hi, I'm this person. Do you want to help me? (laughs) And I constantly ask him for input and advice, and he's always there. And it's he's just a wonderful, wonderful man. But honestly, without this wonderful support system that includes all of those people, I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be writing. Awesome. I was kind of wondering if Mike was the person who suggested Athon Books to you. Yes. Yes, he was. Yeah. <laughs> it. it was the, the second episode on this podcast, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. He did mention um, being on your podcast before, but I didn't realize that he was like inaugural 
kind of podcast kind of guy. Yeah, he was the second episode. He was also on my show Pub Talk Live, but in a he wasn't one of the first, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I can see why. He is such a supportive person in the uh, community, and he helps young writers like me. And I can only hope to emulate the person that he is. Awesome. Okay, since we already know what happens in the first book in the series from your query, can you tell us a little bit about what to expect from the sequel? The sequel, A Star Reborn, follows Nyx's journey into villainy and continues to ask the question, is it moral to use your powers at any cost, even if it's to do something as innocent as protect your family? The trilogy is the Seven Star Saga. It's a villain origin to redemption arc where Erebus Dawning introduces Nyx to you. The other two will follow her journey and address the consequences of taking too much power. Very cool. Angela, thank you so much for joining me and talking to me today. And thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Queries, Qualms, and Quirks. You can find the text of AJ's query in the show notes, along with the links to find out more about her and her books. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Tell your friends or share this episode on social media. And if you're interested in supporting the show, go to patreon.com slash pubtalklive. And if you're a published author interested in being a guest on the show, please click on the home base link in the description or go to sarahnicholas.com and click on the podcast logo in the sidebar. That is Sarah with an H and Nicholas with no H. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.